Will you turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. This morning, we are here to worship our great God together, but uh, today we also uh, honor our senior saints, and we're also remembering our, many of our loved ones who have already passed on, and uh, we honor them and remember them by decorating their graves at the cemetery. And as I was thinking about this particular service, this particular day, my mind came to John chapter 5, verses 19 through 29, because this passage, I think, maybe more than any other, or at least on par with others in Scripture, shows us the life-giving power of the Lord Jesus Christ and reminds us that He is the resurrection and the life. Do you remember in John chapter 11, this very famous story, this miracle of Jesus, when he came to raise his friend Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus delayed in coming, and by the time that he got there, Lazarus had already died. He'd already been in the grave four days. Mary and Martha and many of their friends and townspeople were grieving. Jesus approached. Martha came and met him as he was coming. And Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, then our brother would not have died. And Jesus made the comment to her, Martha, just believe your brother will live. And she says, Lord, I know that he will live at the resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Meaning that the only hope of any resurrection at the last day or now is because of Jesus' life-giving power. He is the resurrection and the life. And as we think about this passage, and think about what Jesus declares about himself and his power and his authority in this passage, it gives us hope. It gives us incredible hope because it reminds us that this life is not all there is to our existence. It reminds us that there is an eternity to look forward to. And on a day like this, when we honor those who have gone on before us, it's a, it's a helpful reminder, isn't it? To have this hope brought back in front of us to remember that there is more to this life than just the 70 or 80 years, as Psalm 90 says, that we have. If we are in Christ, then we have an eternal life an eternal inheritance laid up for us that is incorruptible, that cannot fade away, reserved in heaven for us. In this particular passage, Jesus has just healed a man on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders were upset that Jesus would do such a thing on the Sabbath day. And then in verses 19 through 29, Jesus replies to them, and in his reply to them asserts his authority to not only heal, but to give life. 
to restore life to the dead. And so Jesus says in John 5, 19, he gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself, but he can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the privilege, the honor that we have this morning to look to your holy word. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to see, to know the life-giving power of Jesus, the resurrection and the life, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the giver of life. Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see him, to believe in him. And as he says in this passage, that those who believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. They would be crossed over from death to life. Father, I pray that you would bless this time, awaken souls, open eyes, that we all may believe and have the life that Jesus brings. And we pray this in his name. Amen. The first emphasis in this passage in verses 19 through 23 is on the unity of the father and the son. The unity of the father and the son. In the previous context, as I mentioned, Jesus was under attack by the religious leaders because he had healed someone on the Sabbath day. And in Jesus' reply to them, he makes very clear who he is, his origin, to whom he truly belongs, and his essential unity with God the Father. And the reason why that is so important is because the Pharisees and the religious leaders certainly would have claimed to believe in God, wouldn't they? They certainly would have claimed to believe in God. They would have claimed for themselves 
that they were children of God. And so when Jesus confronts them with his own authority and links his power and his authority and his identity to God the Father, it brings who he is right in direct confrontation with the Pharisees. And and they have to either outright deny or accept who Jesus is, who he claims to be. He links himself inseparably with the Father. He says in verse number 19, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Don't take that as a statement of weakness by Jesus, but rather take that as a statement of intrinsic and essential unity with the father. That whatever Jesus does, he does with the father and in harmony with the father. It is not that Jesus is saying here that he is lacking in anything. He is saying that he is in full unity with the Father and that everything that he does, he does with the Father and we might say also with the Spirit. The triune God moves in harmony harmony of one will, of one mind, accomplishing the purpose of creation, providence, and redemption. And so Jesus says, I do what the father does. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Verse number 19. He also says, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. He had just healed someone on the Sabbath day. And he's saying to them, because of my unity with the Father, because I am one with the Father, whatever the Father does, I do. And whatever I do, the Father does. You're going to see even greater works than these. You're going to be amazed. In fact, probably the greatest work that Jesus did, short of his own resurrection from the grave, is when he raised Lazarus from the tomb in John chapter 11, after being dead four days, demonstrating that he is indeed the resurrection and the life. Jesus would show that he is the son of the father by doing even greater works than he did on that Sabbath day. And then he says in verse 21, for just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. So the father, God, the father has life giving power. The Pharisees, The religious leaders, the scribes, they would have no qualms with that statement. The Father, God, has life-giving power. He can raise the dead. The Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders would have said amen to that statement. But then he goes on and he says, Even so, the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. That is an incredible statement, isn't it? God, almighty God, the one who gives existence to everything that is, the one who brought the entire universe into existence by saying, let there be, and there was. He is the one who gives life. He is the one who breathed into Adam the breath of life, and he became a living soul. He is the one who can raise the dead as he did through Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament. He is the one who gave the vision to Ezekiel 
of this valley of dry bones and these bones coming together back to life, resurrecting them. God is the life-giving one. And Jesus says, and so am I. That's a powerful statement. Jesus, this man, this teacher, this one standing before you has life-giving power and life-giving authority, he says, to give it to whom he wills. Just as God is sovereign to give life, so is Jesus sovereign to give life to whom he is pleased to give it. Beyond that, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And here's the clincher. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Pharisees, scribes, religious leaders, if you do not honor the Son of Man, the Son of God, then you're not honoring God. If you don't accept who Jesus is as the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one who has authority to give life, the one who has been entrusted by the Father with authority to judge, if you don't believe who he is, then you do not honor God. Therefore, those today of the Jewish faith who read the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, and claim to worship the true and living God, but do not honor the Son, and do not worship the Son, Jesus says of them that you're not children of God. Those of the Jewish faith who read the Old Testament and believe the Old Testament, but do not accept Jesus as their Savior, as their Messiah, they are lost. That is an incredibly controversial claim in 2021. Muslims who honor Jesus to some extent, but not to the extent that Jesus claims for himself or that scripture claims for him. Islam claims that Jesus is a great prophet. As Muhammad is a great prophet, they honor Jesus as a great prophet, but they do not honor Jesus as the son of God. They could not agree with this statement of John 5, 23. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. They could not agree with that statement because that's putting Jesus on the same level of honor, the same level of authority and power as the father. They could not accept that statement. Therefore, they are lost. And they need the gospel. Muslims need the gospel. Jews without Jesus need the gospel of Christ. Those who do not give full authority and divinity to the Son, as Jesus claims in the scriptures, such as Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, they need the gospel. He is claiming in these verses an essential unity with the Father. As the Father does, so does the Son. As the power that the Father has, so does the Son. As the sovereignty and authority that the Father has to give life, so does the Son. The same honor that the Father has, the Son has the same honor. 
there is this essential unity between the Father and the Son. And then in verses 24 to 27, Jesus claims for himself the ability to give life to those who believe. He says in verse 24, very truly I tell you, and and whenever Jesus says that, he is drawing our careful attention to what he is about to say. Everything Jesus says is true, right? We could say very truly I tell you of every word of Jesus. But when Jesus says this phrase, he is drawing our close attention to it. Listen to what I am about to say. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Notice Jesus says in this statement that those who believe, those who listen to his authoritative word, those who accept that word, those who believe the father and believe the son who are one, they have present tense here and now eternal life. Eternal life, according to Jesus, according to the gospel writers, according to the New Testament, eternal life does not begin when you die and your spirit goes to be with Jesus. Or at the resurrection, when God raises your body out of the grave. Eternal life does not begin then. Jesus says eternal life begins now at the moment that you believe. That person who believes has right now, eternal life and will not in the future be judged. When? At the judgment seat, at the second coming, at the judgment in the future, that person will not be condemned. Why? Because they believed and they have been given eternal life and they have crossed over from death to life. There is a movement across this chasm, if you will, from death to life. In our study of the gospel of Luke, we're on the verge. The very next passage that we're going to be looking at is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man and Lazarus, they both die. The rich man is rich, had everything in this life, but rejected God, rejected Jesus. Lazarus was poor, had nothing in this life, but believed in Jesus. Lazarus goes to be with God in Abraham's bosom, in paradise. And the rich man goes to hell. And that passage says there is this great gulf fixed, isn't there? There's this great chasm that separates. You can't cross from one to the other in the afterlife. The only way you can cross from one to the other is in this life when you believe in Christ. There's no post-mortem acceptance of Jesus. There's no other opportunity after you die. The only time to cross from death over to life is now. By listening to the words of Jesus. And notice what he says in verse 25. Again, very truly, I tell you, listen to this. This is an important statement. A time is coming. That seems future, right? A time is coming. But then notice what he says next. And has now come. Well, that's present. In other words, he's saying the future has arrived in essence. 
The future is now. The kingdom of God is now. There's coming a time, and in fact has now come, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. I believe, and many of the commentaries that I read agree, that when Jesus says here in verse number 25, the time has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live, that this is a spiritual resurrection. That this is a spiritual resurrection, an awakening of the heart, an awakening of the soul to believe Jesus. It is an awakening to the words of Jesus that those who hear will live. It is the first resurrection, if you will. And so Jesus is the giver of life now, today, through faith in Christ. He is the giver of life. And just as he said back in number, verse 21, he says, the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Meaning that Jesus has the authority. He has the sovereignty to grant eternal life, to grant new spiritual life. And according to verse number 25, that happens when the command of Jesus goes forth with his word and dead hearts awaken. Dead souls become alive. As Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are all dead in trespasses and sins. But God, in his great love, made us alive in Christ. It's by grace you have been saved. So Jesus has authority now to lift his voice and give life to the spiritually dead. Meaning that when you hear that commanding voice of Jesus, your soul awakes and you hear that voice and you believe. There is life-giving power now through the gospel and the word of Christ. Because he has been granted this authority. The father has life in himself So he has granted the son also to have life in himself, meaning he has inherent life and therefore life-giving power. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. That title, son of man, is a messianic Christological title. It has significance beyond he's just a human being. It means that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He has authority to give life and authority to judge. And so there is an essential unity between God the Father and God the Son. And because Jesus is the Son of God, he has power to give spiritual resurrection life now, in this life through the gospel. But then he concludes in verses 28 and 29, by teaching us that he has also power not only to give resurrection life now to our hearts and souls, but on the last day, he has power to give our bodies in the grave new life, resurrection life. He says, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. Whose voice? Jesus. And come out, 
Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. And that language comes right out of Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that speak of this resurrection at the last day, when all who are in the graves will arise, some to everlasting joy, others to everlasting condemnation. Jesus says, I have been granted this authority. It is my authority to give life and my authority to judge. So Jesus right now in the here and now has power to grant our souls, our dead hearts, spiritual life. And then on the last day, he has power to lift his voice again and call everybody out of the grave. And when that happens, when Jesus lifts his voice on the last day, every human being will rise. They'll stand before the judge. And who's the judge? Jesus. Jesus is the judge. And he will separate, as Matthew 25 reveals, he will separate the sheep from the goats. Some to everlasting life, some to everlasting condemnation. Jesus has life-giving power. Which means that for every single one of our loved ones, our fathers who have passed on, our mothers who have passed on, our spouses who have passed on, our children who have passed on, our aunts and uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews, friends that we have loved in this life, those who are in Christ will live again. They will rise. After we die, because we are mortal and death is coming, we don't know when, but death is coming, we will die, but one day we too will rise again and we will live. My dad will rise again and live. My dad died 10 years ago. It's hard to believe that. It's been 10 years since my dad died. He died way too young, 69 years old. But he'll live again. He believed Jesus. He trusted in him with his life. He'll rise again and I'll see him again. The loved ones who have gone on before us, they will rise because Jesus has life-giving power. That's a great hope. That's a great hope. That's why Paul can say in 1 Thessalonians 4, when someone dies in Christ, we grieve, but we don't grieve like the rest of the world. We grieve in hope. We have hope because of what Jesus did for us in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. We need to be reminded of this truth every day that there is more to this life than what we can see. There's more to this life than what happens from our birth to our death. There is an eternal life that we are right now being prepared for. So my question is, have you crossed over from death to life? Have you crossed over from death to life? How do you do that? By hearing the voice of the Son of God and believing in that voice, that word, and trusting in him with your life. That's how you move from death to life. 
And Jesus says, whoever believes him, whoever believes my word, he has right now eternal life and has crossed over from death to life. My prayer is that everyone here has had their heart awakened, has had their eyes opened to believe, had their ears opened to hear the voice of the Son of God so that you may have life. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for the honor and the privilege that it is to gather together today to worship, to praise our great and living God. We thank you for the word that you have given to us today through your servant, John. We thank you for the testimony of Jesus that day as he was standing there before the crowd, before the religious leaders and the Pharisees and testifying of his essential unity with you, of his life-giving power to give life now to our hearts and our dead souls and his life-giving power to raise us from the dead when he comes again. Father, awaken souls today. There may be someone here in this room whose heart has not yet been awakened to the truth of Jesus, to the gospel of Christ. Father, awaken them today. May their ears hear the voice of the Son of God and live. Father, may we who are in Christ and who have this hope, may we renew that hope in us every day. May we be reminded of it and may we live in light of that eternal hope. So, Father, bless your people today. And Father, may you do your work of great grace and power in our hearts and lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, the giver of life. Amen.